Welcome to the 162, is that the 162nd episode? I don't know, of your resident podcast, Jurassic fans. I'm Daniel, your host, and here's Veggie Patty. Hello! Hey there, look at her shoes. What, what is that, that you were wearing? You're too fancy. <laughs> uh, je suis uh, madame aujourd'hui. Oh, I see. I see. It's a, uh, a robe. You know. Yeah. How do you say go to hell in French? That'd be useful. Uh, I don't remember. I, I, it's, it's too much pressure to remember it right now. Really? The most useful thing and you can't remember. Oh, please. I know, putain. I love that word. Yeah. Everyone know, else who speaks French. I know how to say in German. You do? It's oh, that's another. Oh, <laughs> that's another Velociraptor raw right there. <laughs> right at the beginning, Please. you see you guys. She, she's excited today. She's pumped up. I am, uh, and I I've only drank like one sip of my cappuccino. My my. <laughs> I've already drank too much coffee for a single uh, organism today, so I'm only having water because <laughs> one cup is much more than enough. For like a week for me. I drink yourself. I'd rather have tea. <laughs> you know me, nature. But yeah. anyways, Jurassic fans, you guys, today we're starting at chapter 24. Old Bozeman had a farm and it's going to be a banger. So if I'm already, let's just get started, shall we? Zooming in for I am blind. The flight we were now on would take us back to America. By ferry, we had returned to Cape Town, to the airport where Keen had stolen the information from our previous expedition. Perhaps the memory came to Lucy too, because she held tightly to the binder Fowler had given her, as if at any moment the doctor was going to snatch the document from her hands and slide down the escalator railing, disappearing soon after. But no, Keen didn't seem to care this time. His eyes had a more glassy appearance since Baruti Elias' death, as if King's own eyes were dead. Now we would make a painfully long trip, finally landing in Fort Myers, but not before making two stops, one in Amsterdam and one in Atlanta. Our final destination, though, was much further south than Fort Myers, near Ochopi. Since the location was far away, we managed to get a cab to Naples, but it would still be necessary to cover the remaining 60 kilometers. When we finally arrived in Naples, my back burned and frost bones crackled with every movement. The big city had the modern look that saddens me so much. I tried to turn my attention away from my surroundings for a moment and asked Frost about our next step. Well, he said in a mysterious tone, you will arrive at the Bosman Ranching through Everglades style. We couldn't at the time imagine what he had in mind, but soon it would be time to find out. We then drove through town, without stopping at any other points that displeased my prejudice against human walks, before we returned to the natural creations. Right at the edge of the city were the national parks, which stretched for miles and miles, and, to exploit the visitors who wished, there were also some vendors there, with their products already on the water. An ant boat? 
Jacob Keen said with surprise. Yes, Ross replied, a huge smile plastered on his chubby face. And since I'm present this time, I'll take care of the expenses, Dr. Keane. Is that so? Well, this will be a first. Frost glared at Keane, who returned a haughty look to the dean. Now listen, both of you, Lucy said. Can you quit fighting for at least one thing? Fight on the next one, but try not to do it on this one, please. She's right, Jacob, Frost said, looking like he was giving in. These young people don't deserve to be bothered by our differences. And then, turning to pay the salesman, he finished, especially on a trip I'm paying for. Lucy sighed with discouragement, finally giving up on humankind, while Frederick finished the business he was doing, already choosing the boat. As the only one with experience in piloting, Keane then took his usual command position, this time at the rear. Well, do you know what the wrench is? Keane asked Frost. Why, of course, I have a map of the area here, and God, no, not another topographer. What's the matter, Jacob? He's not into maps, Mr. Frost, explained Lucy. Oh, I see, Frederick Frost replied, realizing that King couldn't read maps. Don't worry about your displeasure, Jacob, he said emphatically. Just follow the road into the park, and we'll be there soon. King then activated the large propeller that forced the vehicle, and we accelerated up a huge hill of vegetation that rose up over the flooded plain. This served as a ramp for us to fly over the aquatic vegetation and land in the water again, all accompanied by our cries of excitement and old frost cries of dread. Sorry, Frederick, King shouted over the sound of the propeller. I forgot to tell you to fasten your seatbelt. This was followed by a controlled laugh from Keane, loud enough to be heard despite the noise of the propeller. When exactly had Jacob Keane learned to laugh? The closer had seen to a smile was when Lucy made him curl his lips in the liquor. Was it possible that Lucy Lane had affected that test turned by a medical doctor that much? Anyway, Frost kept giving directions to our pilot, although he kept his offended expression. So that we wouldn't get lost in the maze of aquatic vegetation, the dean directed us in a straight line, following the road to our right. Although it was far away, it was clearly visible, especially with other vehicles that used it. This trip would cover 70 kilometers, which we would do in about two hours in the fast boat we had obtained. I must agree with Frost that we did it in high style too, because this distance was traveled by leaps and bounds as Kin had a predilection for using piles of vegetation to glide to a chosen spot. Ahead of us, all the wildlife fled, frightened by the noise our boat made, herons shaking flight and alligators hiding among the sawgrass. When we had almost reached the perfect distance, Kin called Frost. Hey, there's a road ahead of us. Turn left, Lucy commanded. The dean looked at her with an expression that said, How do you know that? But he wasn't aware of the fact that Lucy always studies the map when we arrive at a new place. The road into the park would take us about 15 kilometers into the area, taking us deep into the cypress swamp forest. Here, the concentration of trees forced Kim to slow down and keep an eye out, not only to avoid bumping to a fallen trunk, but also to avoid being attacked. Even from our lower seats, it was possible to see some dark shapes in the tanning dyed water. Many of them remained motionless, but others, which we thought were large sunken logs, suddenly moved. 
following the direction the boat was taking. Alligators can exceed two meters, being bigger than anyone on that boat. Of course, having this knowledge only terrified me even more. Very cautiously, we covered the remaining distance as quickly as possible and arrived at what Frost had called the ranch, which was, in fact, the grand dwelling. The road we had seen before ended right in front of the grid gate at the ranch, indicating that it had been created specifically to provide access to the site. What kind of person is so rich that he cannot bear the thought of being stranded at home and can change this? Well, we'll soon find out. As we stopped the airboat at the side of the dirt road, Keen came forward to get down and clapped his hands, standing a few steps away from the open gate. We got off and followed him, but the owner was slow to appear. What is it with these people? His voice was then interrupted by a deep and threatening growl coming from the porch. Jacob's clapping had awakened a large Rottweiler, stubby and muscular like none I had ever seen before. The huge dog was still growling, exposing his fangs and approaching us. L L Lucy? said Keen's voice, now much higher. Remain relaxed, she replied, perhaps not so much to us as to herself. The animal then walked calculatingly half the distance between us without stopping growling and then lunged towards Keen. His strong legs covered a few meters between them in seconds and the low bark was ringing in our ears. The dog was already inches away from jumping up and attacking Jacob. Sicarius! shouted a hoarse voice from the house. The huge beast stopped right in front of Keen and sat down, merely sniffing the biomedical doctor's leather shoes. When we raised our eyes, we saw the source of the voice. From the porch came a man. The fellow's eyes were as frightening as those of Sicarius, his dog. His hair was short, curly, and completely white. His skin, also very pale, was marked, and the wrinkles around his eyes pressed and even closer together, forcing an eternal look of distrust. A camouflage hat shielded his eyesight, and an alligator farm employee's uniform completed his look. A machete took it into its sheath, adorned his waist, and a hand that seemed nervous to grab it was enough to make us remain just as nervous. What do you want here? shouted the man. I believe you are uh, Mr. Bozeman, Ross snapped forward. You called us, we're lane steam. Oh, you are? The old man moved closer, lessening the air of distrust by not being able to change his eyes. His hand finally let go of the machete handle, and he came to the farm gate. You could see a remnant of what had once been his mustache, the hair has now been too white to form a respectable pattern. So which one of you is Lane? asked Bozeman. Frost took a breath to explain, but Lucy interrupted him, saying, That's me. Nice to meet you, Lucy Lane. Ye? The man questioned intrigued. Yes, Mr. Bozeman, and this is my team. My brother, our biomedical expert, and Mr. Frost, who is funding the expedition. What? I thought you would be... Older? Well, you can get experience in a few years of life. You just have to use those years for something useful, as you did with your business. Well, I guess you're right. He yielded to Lucy's flattery. Anyway, come in. My wife is serving dear. Are you all right, partner? You look a little pale. With his eyes still fixed on the dog, Ken stammered 
I, uh, I am. With a slightly unsteady step, he falls into the ranch. Sicarius now trotted along beside us, wagging his short tail. The interior of the Bozeman ranch was extremely cozy, with every kind of upholstered armchair as one could dream of. Even more comforting was the pleasant aroma that circulated through the house from the kitchen. The only threat to the peace of the environment was the alligator heads hanging on the walls, preserved as trophies, reminders of what this man considered to be victories over the nature that provided his needs. You don't enjoy hunting, young man? Our host asked. I was shocked, as I thought I had managed to disguise my disgusted expression. Keen also had the same reaction to hanging heads, but perhaps it was easier to attack a youngster and let the adult listen. I am. Um, I don't approve of exaggeration, sir. I replied without looking Bozeman in the eye. If you're referring to Ace, I assure you. What was that, Alexander? Why was Sicarius barking that much? Asked the voice from the kitchen, interrupting her husband's defense. From it came a woman of approximately the same age as Alexander Bozeman, with the same marks covering her face, except for the cruel wrinkles that formed her husband's eye. An apron covered the front of her body, and a heavy coat covered everything else. In the hot climate of the Everglades, Alma Bozeman's outfit seemed odd, but the silver hair hanging down the sides showed that the time had come to feel cold even on the hottest days. These people make up the team we call, Alma. Why, that's wonderful. Alexander has a fabulous story to tell you over dinner. Come, come. The lady's hospitality was so attractive that even King returned to his original color, forgetting for a moment the attack he had almost suffered. The kitchen table was made of solid wood, but much cheaper than the one we saw in Jacob King's house. There, however, reigned a welcoming spirit that a biomedical doctor would never have, even without the opulence that surrounded him. Before us, plates with amounts of breaded fritters, crispy and warm, accompanied by a small bowl of vinaigrette to dip each piece in. Something between fish and chicken that could be neither. Jacob made a face of disgust before tasting it, while Frost ate it with gusto, and Lucy devoured hers. What a beautifully prepared dish, Mr. Bozeman, praised the dean. Some kind of game meat, perhaps? Why, no, she replied in her sweet voice. Alexander smiled and added, Remember what I said? No waste! Keen was biting to his fritter at the moment he heard this, and made a sharp noise as if something was hurting him intensely. To take his eyes off the doctor, Frost coughed lightly and introduced the subject. Well, uh, I understand that we were called in to investigate the sighting of a cryptid, right? Yeah, exactly, Bozeman confirmed. The thing has been attacking my alligator farm since we expanded it. Oh, yeah? And uh, how big was this expansion? 20 kilometers. 20 kilometers? Kin cut in. But that's much more than the boundaries of the National Park. Oh, have you noticed this land was legally purchased and is mine? I was fencing the perimeter and increasing the space for my alligators when I heard a commotion in the water. I went back to see what it was, and that's when I found it. What did you find? Lucy asked, stopping eating for a second. One of my animals cut in half. That's what I found. These alligators are in my livelihood, and now there is something out there trying to steal from me. Well, I will not shut up about it. 
On the phone, you said it was part of the predator, didn't you? Frost asked. As indeed I did. It was a giant laser, five and a half meters long, plus a sail on its back. I went after it with the machete, but it scampered on into the cypress trees and ran away, taking my alligator with it. Alma Bozeman held back a laugh. Come on, I know what I saw, okay? Alexander complained. And now I wanted to find out for me what kind of animal that is. You don't usually hurt the creatures you capture, do you? I wouldn't like to see those animals affected by my baseness. I felt a spark of hope when I thought that this man, as hot-hardened as he was in the swamp, still had affection for animals. Perhaps really, he really wasn't all bad, after all. Even the meat he produced was put to good use, perhaps to Jacob's dismay. If you care so much about animals, why didn't you chase that one with a machete? He questioned Bozeman without even looking at the man. Because you don't need to attack a predator for it to release its prey, partner. You ever had the experience of having a python attack an animal you own? Well, I have, and I'll tell you that I only had to hit it a little before it uncoiled and released my gator. Someone slid back into the water and went about my business. You see, we do things very smoothly around here, Mr. Keen. Dr. Keen. Oh, very well, doctor, Alexander said, emphasizing Keen's title with contempt. You see, what comes before the name doesn't matter much around here, but what comes after does. My family built this ranch even before this place was called a park, so no thug's going to stop me from using the land that is rightfully mine. For God's sake, Alexander, calm down, his wife pleaded. In the same act, she pulled from an inner pocket a small object surrounded by a casing. Alexander received the object with a smile and opened it, revealing a candy, which was soon cut in half by the old man, who deposited the remaining half on the table, revealing a creamy coconut shaving inside. Well, said the dean, wiping his mouth with a napkin. I uh, guess we'll rest then. We'll get an early start in the morning. Now I will show you to your rooms. Please follow me, said our hostess. The path to our rooms was lined with clotheslines and embroidery spread throughout the house, all the walk of the patient old lady who was now leading us through a corridor. I'm afraid we don't have many rooms, but perhaps enough. Alma's voice sounded apologetic. When he got to the first room, there was a large wooden bunk bed, every detail of it freshly painted, and the sheets smelled like lavender, even from a distance. Alexander warned me that it would be a thing, but he had no idea how many were in it. I took the liberty of preparing the bunk to await them then. The top one is mine. Lucy said enthusiastically, immediately running and jumping up to reach the mattress without using the stairs. Alma laughed at Lucy's manner while I made my way to my mattress, happy to have the lower one but showing no such glee. No one needed to know that I feared falling at night. The entourage made their way to the next door, where after a few seconds I heard Frost's voice rising again. You can't possibly be so selfish, shouted the dean. A weaker voice answered. And you think I can sleep near that beast outside? Didn't you see how he tried to devour me earlier? Too bad he failed. Shouting these words, the president returned, stamping his feet and passed in front of our door, followed by Mrs. Bozeman, to whom he apologized. I'm sorry you had to hear that, ma'am. My colleague and I need to settle some matters. 
We heard Frederick Frost's heavy footsteps pass through the kitchen, and his still dismayed voice bid goodnight to Alexander, who was at the table. When Alma came through our bedroom door again, I asked her, Mr. Bozeman, what was all of that about? Oh, dear. Unfortunately, we only had one more bed, and I told your colleagues that they would have to choose who gets it. The other option is the old rocking chair outside. It seems that the long-haired boy was not willing to give in. Anyway, it all worked out. Good night, dears. With that, she went to her room, leaving our door open. Do you think he'll be all right out there with Sicarius? I asked Lucy. He will. It's summer and that dog wouldn't hurt his own fleas. Wait a minute. What is this under my pillow? Kevin, check yours! As I moved to sit up in bed, I heard the same sound and lifted my pillow to see what it was. There was a handful of coconut candy beneath it. like I can write a comedy I see, eh? <laughs> My god, I loved it. I bet he One... failed. <laughs> you know, uh, I know those two characters, sometimes they're just support characters, but that bickering is so important sometimes. Yeah, I loved it. And I love the accent you made for Bozeman. Oh, yeah, you see, that's actually just a impersonation the real person. Yeah. Because <laughs> like uh, the guy is literally called Alexander. <laughs> Alexander. <laughs> yeah, and he's an old man just like this, and he's pretty annoying. So you know, he was <laughs> the perfect character. <laughs> It's perfect. I love him <laughs> and yeah, his and wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I see that you you like a uh, Mr. Bozeman. <laughs> nice, nice indeed. I I love when I find out uh, how you figured the voice afterwards, you know, like, I'm doing like this, and then you say, she said in a sweet voice, and I'm, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, that was supposed to be sweet, oh, okay. <laughs> I just talking like your older Uncle Ben, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a sweet voice. It's a sweet tone. Yes. Sweet tone. I, I smoked a lot when I was younger, so, you know, it happens. I actually was writing today a scene with a, a character with their voice, so <laughs> prepare yourself. Perfect. We have much to do. 
<laughs> oh, oh gosh you, you know you guys Larry is just so important for for my story from now on you know because she is now the spirit of Lucy and like her art is gonna be on the cover of my next novel and also like some black and white drawings on the inside and then oh like, yeah the... <laughs> yeah right okay no pressure yeah. no pressure whatsoever <laughs> I mean if no one buys that, you know why. And then <laughs> uh, there is also the third book that is literally dedicated to her. So, yeah, th that's going to be pretty cool. Yeah. All right, yeah. This was wonderful. We have our characters growing and Frost is still being a sucker. And <laughs> I loved being... it. It was great. <laughs> King being an even worse sucker than Frost. I love all that. <laughs> <laughs> See the the doctor's not all that all bad, you know. Yeah, and he, he can be cool sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> all right, yeah, that's it for today, I believe, because you know we already covered one and did a whole lot. Now, you guys, by the way, uh, I see that sixty five has already been released in the U.S. So some of you guys are watching that movie. And if you guys got reviews, please do send us. You can uh, DM us an audio. Oh, yeah, Jurassic Fans Podcast. So find us on Instagram and send us your thoughts, right? We'll see you next week. Before you go, Larry, can you tell us your handle as well? Uh, yeah. Did yeah. you just forget it? Well, she's at Larry7 on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> I have so many ads. <laughs> yeah. Okay, it's at Larry7. Larry7. Go for that one just because uh, I uh, I used the picture from that one page yeah. today. So it's a cool one. <laughs> Go for that, you guys. Uh, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Keep going for this call. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.